Hello and welcome to Quick Link Podcast for Wednesday the 10th of March. Coming up we've got our weekly waffle, but just beforehand a quick look at the day's results. We do touch on the races during the chat, but actually didn't run through the positions. At stage one of the Healthy Aging Tour in Assen, Julien Dehors of SD Works came round Alice Barnes from Canyon SRAM right on the line to win by a tyre width. Barnes launched her sprint with 200 metres to go, just after Danique Hengeveld's break was caught by the pack. On Barnes's wheel was Lorena Wiebes, who made contact and slid out within sight of the line, thankfully not taking anyone with her. Carlin Swinkles took third for Jumbo Visma, ahead of teammate Anna Henderson. Wout van Aert won the bunch sprint on the opening day of Tirreno Adriatico, holding off the charges of Caleb Ewan and Fernando Gaviria, who came second and third respectively. Young Brit Fred Wright was right up there as Bahrain's fastest finisher, coming 15th. At Paris-Nice, Primoz Roglic's late charge up the final climb was enough to see him take the yellow jersey. He came home 12 seconds ahead of last year's win at Max Schachmann of Bora, with Guillaume Martin of Cofidis third, in a group also containing Tish Benut, Alexander Vlasov and Lucas Hamilton, who came home 4th, 5th and 6th. Roglic now leads GC by 35 seconds ahead of Schachmann, and Brandon McNulty is 3rd at 37. Roglic also takes the points jersey, whilst Anthony Perez moved to the top of the KOM standings. Right, here's the waffle. Let's go from the top, introduce everybody. Um, I'll just run through you in alphabetical order as it is on the uh, username list. Just say hello, say how you're doing, and then we'll crack on with the first topic. So on the list, first up, hi to Josh. Hi, I'm Josh. I'm doing very good, thank you. Second on the list, uh, guacamole. Hi, guys. Uh, yeah, glad to be back for another one. Yeah, that's all, I guess. And then next on the list, it's Finn Graham. Uh, um, thanks for having me back on again. And Inigo, birthday boy. Good evening, good evening. Looking forward to another waffle. And then it's a new voice. Well, not a new voice because we've heard from you before, but hello to Katie. Hello. Nice, uh, nice to be on. Thanks for inviting me. Very excited to be here. Uh, thanks for putting up for us in advance. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> Lance, hello. Hello. Back again. Just a massive regular on these, but it's always nice to have a little chat. And Nathan Hardy, who joined us for the first time last week. Hi, Nathan. Uh, great to be back on this week. And last but not least, Oscar. Hey, man. Evening. How you doing? Oh, good. Let's go. So let's start. We've got Katie on. Uh, Katie, you write for the uh, Jumbo Visma Supporters EU blog. Um, Introduce that to us, and then we'll crack on with the day's the day's news. It's all exciting. No problem. Yeah, sure. Uh, so yeah, I write for Team Jumbo Visma supporters. Um, they produce content in both Dutch and English. That is where I come in. Um, I've been writing some articles for them on the team's progress and my own rambling opinions. Um, and yeah, it's been really good. Great so site. Check it out. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. So I last spoke to you when Tom Dumas and uh, announced his sabbatical. Yeah, that feels like forever ago. Um, so much seems to have happened in the cycling world since then. So um, we miss Tom, though. Still, of course. Uh, hopefully, hopefully he's in the right place and he's doing what he needs to do. And fingers crossed, we will see him back on a bike soon. It'd be nice to see. For sure. So a double day for Jumbo. Spoilers alert, obviously. Uh, let's start with Tirreno Adriatico. Everyone saw it coming, but did anybody see it coming? The minute I, think I left, it's very my bold if anyone predicted. Team. I think it's very bold if anyone predicted what well, I'd actually beat Caleb Ewan in that first sprint. I can't lie. I think the biggest surprise of the day was Van der Poel actually being a team player. <laughs> he wasn't great at it, to be honest. He didn't do the full. Um, one handlebar lead out that he did for Tim earlier. <laughs> um, yeah, he's lackluster compared to that one. He was always going to win, though, the minute I left him out my fantasy team. Like, I've just had an absolute stinker so far this year. I have Guys, I've got a good analogy, I think. You're not in, so I'm happy. You know Alperson Phoenix, right? 
Think yeah. about this. They're basically Aston Villa, and because they got Grealish, and no one else really, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Where do they have? Um, Maurice is, is that his name? Zander Maurice? No, it's Tim Melia. Yeah, Zander um, uh, Maurice raced today. Yeah, Alex Richardson. Big Alex Richardson from repping the UK and the Belgian team. Scott Thwaites is in there as well. British representation. Oh, yeah. Scott Thwaites seems like he's been riding for ages. But the win, though, is... I mean, theoretically, I think Wout could win all seven stages. Is there any reason to say he can't? Katie? Nope. <laughs> um, short, short and sweet answer, really. I think looking at the uh, profiles... A punchy stage tomorrow, a couple of hilly stages coming up and some mountains. I think the team that they've sent out is strong. Um, you know, like obviously there's some really big hitters there as well, though. So we'll see. But yeah, it's possible. Yeah, they look like, say, we, we've not done a proper preview of the race yet, but there's two two sprint stages, quite a few rolly ones, two big pointy ones, and then a short time trial. It's got Welp's name written all over it, hasn't it? Or is is Pog gonna gonna wrap up? It's one of those things on Velo Games. We're looking just going. It seems so obvious, but what am I missing? Bernal could be a factor of, because of his form in um, Strada Bianca. Yeah, my team selection went off Strada Bianca results, hence why Van Aert got got not didn't make it. So I swapped him for Alaphilippe, which was a bad idea. But yeah, I think the, the danger on the rolling stages will always be Matthew Vanderpool. Um, it'll, it'll probably be between those two and Julian and Philippe for those stages. But it'll be interesting to see um, who actually comes out on top of those. How did we all do today with uh, Velo Games on uh, Tirreno? Well, let me have a look. At Pretty that. badly. I don't have to submit a team. I was right to Ballerini this um, oh, my points yeah, haven't gone on yet. Oh, no, they have. I've got, um, yeah, none over 100. Yeah, I had Ewan, thankfully. But, uh, well, yeah. I had Van Hart, but other than that, nothing. Oh, yeah, no, I didn't get very much points at all. Disappointed oh, Arch- Archibald didn't feature any more in the sprint. Fred Wright got more points than Matty van der Poel. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you get a, right, right, a good ride today, to be fair. It's a great investment. Yeah. Oh, oh, I got 227 points. I think that's all right. Giacomo, you're doing all right. You're like seventh in the league. I went with Ballerini because he won um, Omelope. Was it Omelope? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Ballerini is a good shout, to be fair. He's pretty cheap on like 10 points. Who's past the raster? Oh, in the league. Let's have a look. Uh... He got six points. From everyone. Oh no! <laughs> Gunner, wouldn't it? Uh, say t- uh, Tom P's doing the best out of us lot. Two two nine. Wait, Matt QL is that? Yeah. Oh, that's uh, that's Matt Gilmore. Oh, okay, yeah. Oh, Tom P nipped me by two points. <laughs> so, any thoughts about the rest of the race? I mean, it's an absolutely stacked start list. How do we see it going? It's going to be exciting no matter what. So it'll be very interesting to see. Definitely think Bernal's going to um, make his presence felt at some point. He's in really good forms. Like whoever, sorry, I don't know who everyone is. Somebody said already um, that he's in really good form, but I definitely think Bernal's going to be up there. Yeah, I kind of hedged my bets on Simon Yates doing a bit of a double. Um yeah, and then I found out he crashed at Strada, so I'm kind of oh. regressing it. And oh, did he go into yeah. the pit with um along with oh what's his name uh, Simmons or was that someone else? No, oh, that was an the... Phoenix rider. No, I can't talk about him. Your racism, Paris Nice also today. Tay Gegenhart sadly DNF took a bit of bump to his head. <laughs> Another concussion. Another, Another win. rider in my fantasy team. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah well. that's me as well. 
I definitely think we can get an F in the chat for that one, please. Two play- I- two two Raiders missing in my team. <laughs> <laughs> Have you got Bennett as well? Uh, I had Bennett, but although he's he's still riding, but um, I'm not going to get a result. It, it was oh no, what? Did you tell me the Bennett crash as well? I had Port and Gegenhart, and they've both DNF'd. <laughs> Bennett, Bennett, oh, had, Bennett did a great turn today. And yeah, yeah, I'm glad Bennett started because although he had a bad crash, I was kind of like, I can't have three DNFs. Well, we're talking Sam Bennett, right? Um, no. George. George Bennett. Oh, sorry. George I was, is fine, yeah. though. I, think he just yeah, I was thinking Sam, podcast, yeah. <laughs> podcasted with um, Matt Stevens, didn't he? Or very yeah. Recently. yeah. Yeah, no, no, I think you're right there. Yeah. <laughs> so let's, tack- oh, let's tackle those individual things one by one. Um, the George Bennett incident. He took a clearly a huge whack on a fucking ridiculous short side street that looked like it was going past, like up my driveway, with bollards and railings and, like I said on the show, fucking wheelie bins just spinning <laughs> in, in the street. There's no chickens though, and, right? <laughs> that would make it your driveway. That would make it my driveway. And then, then the moto pulls around and finds him on the floor, and he's stumbling about. How does this pass a concussion test? I just see two doctors giving the thumbs up. I mean, I don't see where the science was in that. It was just, I think it was pure base based on his reaction. He just jumped back on the bike. He wanted to get on with it, um, but he didn't. He should have been checked properly. It was shocking. I I was more worried about him than. He did that on a descent. I think he crashed, was it the Vuelta last year? But he crashed somewhere, and I thought, Jesus, he got back up super quickly. I mean, I don't, he didn't... He's I don't a tough think son of a bitch, him, like. Sorry? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah. He's brick hard. But the thing is that, like, I, he should have been checked. But today, seeing him pulling up the mountains, leading the peloton over the top there, he looked amazing again. So hmm. just, he must have a really hard head. <laughs> but yeah. they should have checked him properly. I feel it's better what, now that they've probably checked him post-stage or pre-stage or yeah. whatever. Yeah. So he clearly was, was all right. But... I missed it. <laughs> what happened? No, what, was he concussed? Well, I assume it, he was very hard. Yeah. It was highly likely. Mm. I think when, I, I had very mild concussion and it made mass... Like, I, I couldn't ride and I, like, even if I'd wanted to, it would have been so hard. So I think if he'd had anything, he would have... Like, surely, again, you'd make... Because it's an early season race, you just make the decision to save yourself for later on and you pull out yourself, but... Yeah, I don't think it means that much. Like, obviously, you want to carry on, but like, if yeah. you're concussed, you know it because yeah, you just have to... Yeah, exactly. Concussed. Well, you don't want to put your whole season and then, like, the next few yeah, years, yeah. potentially, if you do it all wrong, out the window. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's a big race, but it's not the tour. Mm. Like, I bashed my head a tiny bit and I couldn't concentrate on things at all. And yeah. When I was concussed, I had to nap like every half an hour. Yeah. He's due to ride and he's leading, for, sorry. I was going to say oh, he's no, leading I... for Jumbo Visma in the Giro. So, like, his, his, he needs to peak sooner than maybe if he was lead, if he was in the tour or, but he's leader for Jumbo Visma for um, Giro d'Italia. So, I think he definitely would have preserved himself if he'd really thought that he'd done any damage. But it still looks yeah. pretty bad. I think we've read a lot into it, seeing the photos on TV and obviously seeing the broken helmet where, we we've kind of projected our opinion our opinions onto it, and where it looked a bit slapdash from the medical doctors, maybe it wasn't that bad. But again, of course, it brings up the, that discussion of do we do enough for riders? I mean, thinking back to like football and heading the ball, where thirty years later we find that everyone's got dementia and all this kind of stuff. And youths aren't allowed to head anymore. I think I'm pretty sure. Like, yeah, there, I don't remember hearing something like that as well. Yeah. Although I mean, like we did have George Bennett, then, but then we did have Teo today, and he got taken out for concussion. So yeah. there's there's like there's sort of there's two sides really. He posted on Twitter actually, and I found it quite. I don't know if it was a a conscious um, sort of stab at what happened the other day with George Bennett, but he's he made the comment thanks to my team for for keep for looking <laughs> after me when I clearly wasn't okay, um, and it seemed almost like a, a bit of a maybe a side swipe at what happened with, with George and the, the lack of concern that seemed to be shown towards him. But maybe I'm yeah. reading too much into it. I don't know. No, yeah, I, I'm saying to you, it did feel a bit like shots fired, but I think he, he probably 
didn't watch it, wasn't aware. I think because you know we, we're sat at home watching like all the racing all the time. It's like when I say about football referees, oh, you know, they must have read that thing and not given that penalty because they read that. Like these these guys are in a bubble and just doing their own yeah. thing. So yeah, I think it was just an honest appraisal from Teo. But it did feel a bit shots fired, yeah. didn't it? Yeah, talking about penalties, PSG just scored the, one um, against Barca. as well was very landed on my head today. Thanks to Ineos Grenadiers and the medical team for putting my long-term welfare first when I was clearly wasn't 100%. Little rest, no screen time, hopefully back soon. Ciao. Yeah, yeah I don't know. Yeah. I, I feel like that's quite just quite nice, nice like standard little media tweet just yeah. to let everyone know you're all right, to be honest. Yeah. He probably didn't write either considering he's concussed. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Actually. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he doesn't yeah, tweet about it either, does he? Were your concussions, guys, from uh, riding or the other? Yeah, um, mine was from food poisoning. <laughs> what? I don't know. Concussion from um, food poisoning. That's quite impressive. The, I gave myself food poisoning, and I went to go to the toilet in the middle of the night to throw up, and then I wobbled as I walked through the door, and then bashed my head on the shower tray. Oh, <laughs> and then the next thing I know, I'm on my hands and knees on the ground with like blood dripping on the shower, and I'm like, "Oh, that's good." Uh, <laughs> oh my god! And put put my hand up to my head, and it's like a big gash. And then I tried to go race it in a. Uh, I, tr- I went to go race next day, but I just got dropped the minute the car drove off. I was like, yeah, this is not a good idea. <laughs> yeah. The chicken was that raw, it punched me in the face. <laughs> I, I got a concussion when I was in like um, year four, I think. I fell off my little scooter and bumped my head. <laughs> Harry Nice. Some, uh, Roglic just went. What? <laughs> It's just so frustrating how easy you made it look. I just feel like it's not a level playing field. <laughs> he didn't win the TT though, to be fair. So the TT stage looked well hard. It did yeah, it was really technical. I, I confess, I watched absolutely zero seconds of the TT stage. So, if any of you want to talk, it's actually about quite good for a TT. Yeah, be good if someone does a summary because some of the people listening might not have seen it, and also I've been at school, so I have no idea what's happened. If someone wants to do a summary of what actually happened in the stage, then I'll do the fashion section because wow, that's <laughs> <laughs> not outrageous. Fashion. Katie, if you're here to talk about men's helmets, then this is quite <laughs> the show. Yep. Is, there, is there only one helmet we're talking about, and it's uh, bloody Bissinger's? Absolutely. You see, Jonathan Vaughan I mean, has the lowest CDA of any rider they know of. Apparently, yeah. it's in the region of about 0.17. Jesus. Which is just insane. He out arrows Bingham and Archibald. Which Dan Bingham yeah. said was incorrect. So I'd like to see that for <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but he would say that, wouldn't he? <laughs> yeah. Well, Bingham's with the Jumbo, isn't he? Is he still working with the team? Uh, I don't know, he's working with Canyon SRAM. I don't know if he's still working with Yumbo. I think he's still consulting Yumbo and the Danish team. Yeah. Um, it was he's still working with the Danish It was interesting to see the um, Yumbo Visma, all of the riders were riding um, aero coach wheels. They were, they were riding aero coach front wheels, but apparently they're riding Roval discs. Yeah, they got the Roval discs. Big and but they've got the um, hundred Titan. millimeter Titan wheels. You can't really hide them because they've got those hidden valve things. But it was interesting to see that they were using them. Can we talk about the healthy aging tour which started today? Stage one of three. What? <laughs> yeah, yeah not, I'm, in, I'm in that camp. Not gonna, not gonna lie, yeah. I didn't watch any of it, and I don't even know who won. So that that sounded like, like I saw the last two hundred meters. Yeah, I've seen the finish. It? I've seen the finish. It was on GCN. It was on yeah. GCN. It was a pretty terrible crash, yeah. I think, just prior to the final sprint. I didn't see it, but I've just read the reports. Pretty bad crash. Oh, yeah, it was a bit of a player. I go on um, Eurosport player. I don't. I don't yeah. subscribe to GCN. Uh, I mean, it's a shame. It, like, it's the tenth edition of this race, which is a. It used to be like a traditional five-stage Dutch women's elite race, um, cancelled last year through COVID. This year, it's become this three-stage race, which, you know, fair enough. Some big names on the start list. But the three stages are, today was 30 laps of the uh, Assen TT course, 
tomorrow mm-hmm. is a nine mile time trial, and then the <laughs> third day is uh, it's just continual loops of like a six kilometer circuit with a little speed. It's like Hillingdon, and they just do that for four they're hours. Tra- they're treating them like under 14. It's not really, not it is, yeah. And there was this There's massive like crowd funding effort to get this right. on. Um, like I think power, uh, they've normally got like alongside the women's uh, healthy agent. We've never gone to it, but um, again, this year with Corona and all that, they've not got it. But again, yeah, every power race is just around the circuit, and it's never a point to point race, which is well frustrated. It seems very like I, I guess at the you know, in the current times, you can't, you can't sniff at this kind of stuff, and obviously with the crowdfunding to try and get live coverage of it was is was fantastic and women's races deserve this coverage but it just seems so half arsed yeah i get they're reducing it from <laughs> yeah. to three, but they could make the race longer because they're there already but it was yeah, just... i think women's racing is great because unlike other sports it's tactically the cycling, the women's cycling, like I haven't watched that much, but from what I've seen, it's just pretty much the same as men's, you know, with the tactics and all that. And even if they are going like a few k's an hour slower, that doesn't matter. Like it's all it's relative not... to the other people in the race. Yeah. 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 yeah exactly. Yeah, I feel like cycling is one of those sports where women's women's cycling is just at the same level as men's. Okay, put them in a race together, probably the man will win. But watching them separately, I feel like they're very, they're very similar to watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because sometimes even the um, women's team's tactics outweigh the men's tactics. Look at SD Works in the um, classics that we've had. They've had unbelievable tactics in all of those races. So it's, it's not fair that they have sometimes the same um, excitement in races or better for not the same coverage. We're talking about SD Works, look at Strada Bianchi. They had four in that lead group. And I, I, I think when they got to that final 15K, it was the strongest person just goes for it. Yeah. Um, so you had, uh, obviously, Chantal, um, Chantal Black, who won it. Anna van der Breggen, um, Demi Vollering. Who else was in there? Ashley Mormon. I, I think, I mean, you'd expect Anna van der Breggen to, to win that race. But whoever was the strongest on the day, it seemed to be just set them up, off they go. The other the other three will just control the bunch that are chasing. And yeah, you know, hope you one up the road wins. It's interesting because watching watching Strabianca, like not 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 kind of taken away from the women's thing. Like they need they they need to change it and be, make make all the like the women's pro riders kind of be able to be a pro rider, whereas it looked like there was like teams that weren't like SD works and all that, that it looked like they rode, did races, but then kind of potentially had other jobs as well. Um, and it just like, again, like, like in a, in a guy's Strabianca race, all of them are pro and they need to have that in the women's like, and be able to pay them, pay them enough so they can do that as well. Well, yeah. Cause the women's Strada got like 45 minutes of coverage and then the men's got like three hours. Yeah. That that forty five minutes is it? That's because the minimum that the UCI demand from a World Tour women's race. Yeah. So it was the bare minimum that they could have done. And like the decisions been made by then already. I saw a really interesting um, statistic earlier, and I'm just trying to track it down actually because um, apparently in Netherlands they showed a replay of Strada Bianchi um, yesterday, and it got higher viewing figures the replay of the race than the actual um, stage of Paris-Nice that was on at the same time. I'm just trying to find the stats. But it was really, it's, you know, like the fact that people, are, are, there's an appetite for it, especially in yeah. Europe, hopefully over here Definitely. as well. Was, was, that, was that just for the women's one or was that for the women's Yeah, the for the women's one. Yeah. No, it was, it was specifically the women's. Didn't we see that last time we chatted on the waffle with the, what were the two races on the same day? Was it? Um... Well, that was Omlope. They, they got a yeah, higher viewing figures from it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. I think in in, in theory, it's it's sound. It's sound and uh, I, dare, dare I say, it's uh, it's quite easy to say that on the quickly weekly waffle. But I don't know in practice how viable that is. I, mean, I hope I hope like to think it would be. I don't know. 
thing is, though, I mean, like, the men have yeah. come out and already said that their prize money is it's not essential to them because that's not how they get paid. So they don't need that much prize money, whereas the women, it would make so much more difference if they had that level of prize money. Yeah. Shrada yeah. Bianca, the prize pot for the men was 40,000 euros with 16,000 euros going to Van der Poel and his team compared to the women that had in total 10,260 euros and only 2,256 euros went to the winner. I think the, uh, one of the main points actually that's been raised has been a lot of um, debate sort of rumbling on Twitter and stuff about money and the women's and women's racing and how it spread throughout the sport, not just with prize money, because obviously prize money is it, it's good and it looks good on paper to to give equal prize money, but it has to be like embedded throughout um, the sport, not just given to the winner, because obviously everyone that they they all want to earn a living doing that, you know, as their job. So. Yeah, I really agree with that because if I was a, a professional cyclist as a woman, I'd rather, I mean, assuming like you have decent, like a decent salary which you're going to live on and stuff, I would rather... <laughs> That's the problem. Know. There isn't. But if it, if, if it was like, I don't know, you, like you had a partner or something, I'd rather... But um, in the sense that the prize money you're getting isn't going to be the thing which gets you over the line of being able to do it full-time. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. Like, I'd rather... Peloton, have... yeah, most, the majority of the Peloton aren't going to win races. You know, some of them will win races, but it has to be sustainable for the whole Peloton. Yeah, like, I'd rather... Um, I, If I was one of the professional cyclists as a woman, I'd rather get, like, proper coverage and and stick with that level of prize money because then I think it would have to, have to go closer to 50-50, if not 50-50 anyway, because if the same people are watching it, the UCI, UCI have got absolutely no excuse. Because it's, it's quite concerning when you actually look at the stats of it and you see that two-thirds of um, all women cyclist, professional cyclists um, earn less than €10,000 a year, mm. which is it's just crazy. When like, in the men's, men's peloton, you just see Van der Poel However impressive his ride was, he's he's earned a women a women professional cyclist's yearly wage in a race, or over her yearly her yearly wage. I can't but, remember the, uh, the the cyclist who said it, and I hope I'm not making uh, completely inventing this. But when they were talking about, um, they did a crowdfunder for Strada Bianchi's women prize money. And the writing question uh, that the women's pro said, it's not, it's not the prize money that needs equalising. It's the fact that it doesn't trickle down. Yeah, that, exactly. That's, that, that, that's the problem that, you know, it is amateurs on, you know, scraping by on, you know, six grand a year rather than, yeah, like you say, Van der Poel. No, and obviously nothing against him. He's earned it. He's won the race. But who who can just turn up? I say I say just turn up, do five hours hard work and earn probably more than what I earned last year by smashing you know smashing a bike ground for five hours in in Siena. But the thing is, like even when you get equal prize money, you still don't have the equality of the races. Like there's no proper women's grand tour yet, so you could have the equal prize money for the races that are there. They're the same as men's, but there aren't as many races anyway. Because the Giro Rosa has had its um, women's world tour license revoked, so it's not actually a world a women's world tour race. So and that was like the, the biggest the biggest women's race that they have. They can't. It's not um, a world tour race. Yeah, and the I saw the women's tour of Scotland. The organisers of that have just gone bust as well. So that's they've had one year of that, and then they've not. Yeah, I think I talked. I think I talked about the women's tour of Scotland. On, on a show about a month ago. Um, yeah, the organisers just, shall we say, um, Tour de Yorkshire style, where promises were made and a lot of money went missing. Regarding the um, the women's Giro, I think the uh, they were declassified because they just weren't providing live TV coverage, which the UCI say you must do 45 minutes per day to be World Tour. And they weren't doing it or, or couldn't 
or rather wouldn't pay for it. So they had their race declassified. Yeah, yes. I remember trying to watch the Giro Rosa last year, and it was like you turn it on, and the com and like the commentators would be, oh, okay, it's fifteen k to go, so and so's up the road with five minutes, and yeah. and no one knows how it's happened because no one's bothered to turn the cameras on. Like in the end, I just gave up after about three days of trying to watch it because it was just a pain. It, it doesn't help like the younger generation as well because if. For, for like um, guys watching cycling, it's easy. You can turn on any race and learn. For Even with a tour, you can watch the whole 190, 200K if you wanted to learn how to ride bikes. But for, um, for women, you can barely see um, any of it. You just watch the last 45 minutes of a race and not know where that difference has been made. Yeah, and I think it was interesting. I remember, I think it was like, a couple of years ago, um, it was like Lizzie Dyden and a couple of others talking about it. And it's like, there's loads of people kind of talking about a women's kind of world tour or a women's tour de France, basically. But it's like, the, the women kind of, they don't need to go down the same route as it. Like, they do, and it get, again, you don't need a 200k stage because nothing happens for like 150k of it. So, like... You, you, like ha having shorter stages, more exciting stages, um, and just kind of m more action involved potentially might bring more viewers. But like they shouldn't, they shouldn't need to do that. But just in turn, like they don't need to follow the same. If they should kind of go to make their own kind of path instead of always kind of following in the guy's footsteps, as it were, um. Like they're they're kind of starting to do that now, which is good. But yeah, just I don't know. Like the women's tour of Scotland, like that was kind of the steps of it, rather than going and having every race kind of similar to the guys. Yeah, actually, the other week I was on a um, like Zoom online event with uh, Lizzie Dyknan, and one of the questions she got asked was, "Why isn't there a women's Grand Tour?" And essentially, she just said that. Because not enough, not enough of the women are actually professional, so yeah. they don't have enough time to train and yeah, hold exactly. up to fitness for two last of three weeks. It's actually a shame that um, there's the under twenty threes and juniors that are probably more professional and get paid more than most of the women that are trying to ride professionally. Yeah. I'd honestly love to see like a, a, a women's quote grand tour, which is eight or nine days of 150 kilometer stages, uh, like Kermes style, stick a TT in there. Yeah, couple exactly. Of, like, you know, the, couple the, of mountain That would be, yeah. Just, you know, say eight in a row, perfect. Like you would with, say, Tereno Adriatico or Paris Nice. Um, like yeah, I saw something yeah um, yesterday a few years ago basically like, and again it's not about it's just about why um, are people ha ha complaining like Strad Bianca not being a monument and then basically like so what if it's not long enough like if it was longer it would have been a more defensive race and attacking like with like seventy k to go they were just giving it like flat out basically and if it was yeah. like an over two hundred k race they have to ride a lot more defensively and it wouldn't have been as explosive and it wouldn't have like again it, it's just a kind of procession and boring to watch and like just just because it's not long enough shouldn't make it a monument like it's it feels like it's been around for so much longer than it has and it already ha kind of has loads of history about it so that's my argument with like the the world championships and stuff it's um on like the red button and that you can watch it from the very start it's a seven hour race yeah, I and I, I get it's supposed <laughs> to be the pinnacle of uh, of bike racing to decide who's the world champion in that. But you'd probably actually get a better world championships if it was 180, 200k, and then it was an absolute smash fest, and the strongest rider would win. Yeah, especially when it was a circuit. I mean, obviously, I didn't watch on TV at Harrogate, but yeah, the Yorkshire world champs. Imagine watching that for six and a half hours. 
The most painful one was it wasn't very entertaining. The most painful one was the one in Imola because it was genuinely just a loop around the around the circuit, and then it was only with about five laps to go you got Pogaccia that went to the front. And then we we all waited for the final lap, and then Anna Philippe went off the front. Yeah, so I just start watching like ten in the morning. It's a completely different race to yeah, like two in the afternoon. Everyone's got like full winter kit on and just kind of. It's a cafe ride because if you see the, they showed the graphic um, for Imola, and they were touching what twenty eight k an hour, and they were genuinely not riding, and nobody could care. You can't race that out for like two hundred k. You just can't do it, or two hundred fifty k, whatever. It's the Olympics. The road race. I don't know if you're seven pros. Because in Innsbruck, for that World Championships, the breakaway went from kilometer zero. And they got, I think, half an hour lead on the peloton because <laughs> they just didn't ride. It just shows how stupid it is. Like you, yeah, they could actually stop. Have waste, they've wasted our time. They've probably stopped for a croissant or something. <laughs> and it's like, just make it about hundred k shorter and have a fiery, fun, enjoyable race. Yeah. See, it's I've often most... said that about Paris Roubaix because I watched that when I used to work at the bike shop. We put it on and it had it was uh, you know start to finish coverage, and it was it is like six and six and a half hours, isn't it? That's a race yeah. of attrition though. It's a bit different. Yeah, it's par- yeah, it's kind of paru about was... kind of how how yeah, it's just about the length and kind of just going being a hard bastard. It's how long can you cope with it and hang yeah. on? I think it's because we watched it. It was a, obviously a Sunday. I think it's because we watched it at the shop. And uh, Josh, you know where I worked. So, so there was no one in there. We watched it the entire shift, <laughs> and by the end, I felt like I'd ridden it as well. <laughs> I, I can't even remember who won. I was so bored. <laughs> but but talk, uh, going back to women's cycling, it's the first women's Paris Roubaix this year. I'm looking forward to that. That'll be good. It's going to be sick. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that that's that, that's. I mean it's brilliant. And there's a demand for it as well. Like, there's so much talent for class, like women racing classics, like Anna van der Breggen. <coughs> so who's winning that then? Anna van der Breggen. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. It's going to be tough to see past Anna van der Breggen. I want Ludwig to win. I want another one of those interviews. Oh <laughs> yeah, that's true. I would oh, love that. No. <laughs> She's got too much energy. <laughs> That's not I was that. going through the Benadrome. I was like, ah, look at all these riders. <laughs> <laughs> she, she had a gel just before the interview and she was already on it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so bringing it back to the rest of this week, we've got the end of Paris-Nice. Who are we, who are we thinking are, are taking that then? Roglic. Roglic. <laughs> if you're not saying Roglic, I don't know what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, Roglic has a 35-second gap over Shackman. Uh, Shackman won it last year, didn't he? Yeah, he did, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 35 seconds already after stage four. Um, 41 over Vlasov. There's no other GC guys in the top. No. top. I think the only thing that could have made a difference was if Teo hadn't crashed out because um, Ineos were really pushing on today. Um, they were like stretching out the front. It looked pretty, pretty much like it would have been more of a race, I think, if um, then Teo crashed out and obviously... Primoz made it count when it mattered, but like it's a shame that the tail's not there to yeah. to give it. Even though he yesterday, a lot of he lost a lot of time to Roglic and that, so it's probably why he pulled out. He didn't need a, to be riding. Rowan Dennis is going to do a Filippo Ganna and just go off the front because he can. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like what was it? Was it the zero last year that Roglic pulled an outrageous turn on the front with tail and giant? He, he um, yep. Jai Henley yes. kept attacking him, and then Rowan Dennis just kept coming back. To yeah, him. it was really annoying. Oh, Jai, yeah. <laughs> Do you think on pure watts, uh, Von der Poel could beat Gunner in a, a short TT? No, 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 Gunner is the pursuit world champion, yeah. and then in a slightly longer TT, no, 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 Ganna's FTP is something north of 500. That's mad. That's, that's <laughs> Van, der Poel, Van der Poel is very powerful, but his FTP is something like 470. 
Oh, what a pleb! So, only four seven. <laughs> <laughs> but we're saying that is like that's only about four hundred sixty-two higher than mine. <laughs> his number when his number is released from Strabo, it was a ridiculous like, average of a thousand five watts. Like, it's just and it, for the week he normalised what like my my kind of three minute power was, which is just depressing I didn't hear much of that I think it was cutting out yeah you're a little bit robot-y there Finn but I think we got most of it oh, yeah. yeah I think where Matthew is really good is he just he's actually a very clever rider he knows how well <laughs> knows how to ride a bike but like he's very good he knows when to put the power in I think that's where he's good. Whereas, like in a sustained effort, like a time trial, I think that's just gonna run all over it. I can't see anyone unless Bissinger has an absolute flyer of a day. I can't see anyone beating Ganna in a time trial for a fairly long time. So, is Ganna going to win? Yes, Tirreno. Yeah, I think Ganna's going to win Tirreno. Absolutely. Yeah, he won it last year. He won the. Last day time trial last year as well. So. Well, he's won every time trial for about the last yeah, last eleven exactly. time trials. I can't yeah, when was the last time he lost a time trial? That's that's probably an easier way to find out rather than lo- uh, the last one I, he won. I did put this on the show. I think he's won nine in a row. Yeah, he's won nine in a row. It's crazy how that's actually just not surprising. Yeah, it's like what was it, Tony Martin and Cancellara back when they were dicking everyone in TTs as well. <laughs> yeah. Well, the last one I can remember he didn't win was Harrogate. Yeah, Harrogate. He came third to, uh, to yeah. Avonpool and, and uh, yeah. I've the last one looking at I can see is Tour of Romandy. Hang on, who finished third to Roglic and Campanats? Actually, Campanats had a complete shocker. Campanats is just because he's wearing socks. socks. Should have worn socks. He should have worn socks. I've always said this as well. I think that the hour record takes something out of you. Like, we haven't seen Dallas ever do anything. Wiggins never did anything after his hour record. I think the hour record really does. Like, Merck's always said that he never felt the same after the hour record. I think it takes something out of you to go that hard for that long, maybe. I'm not surprised. I'm not, so I'm not too surprised that he's dropped off like this. Well, I want to know about the no socks thing. Did all the Quebecer riders not have no socks? Because no. Quebecer are the team with the numbered socks, aren't they? So presumably, <laughs> yeah. they aren't aero socks. I so... think Campanats has his own because he, I think he forgot his um, his Asos overshoes, and I think they're his um, responsibility to pack. And obviously, he didn't have any, and he's not as. Looked like he was ready for a triathlon. Yeah, like... yeah. <laughs> he he's not as. Im- He's not as important <laughs> as um, Dumoulin was when they made him a new skin suit because he forgot <laughs> one. <laughs> yeah, Campanat's like, I don't know. Everyone's always like, oh, we'll do it this TT, but he's never like, did it like again before? I didn't really pay much attention to him before the hour record. Like, was he winning a lot of time trials back then or has he always just kind of had the hype but never actually delivered? I think he's ha- he had a few, he had a few solid time trial results and I think he won a couple but then he kind of just went out of the blue and said I'm going to go to Asqualientes and do the hour record and everyone was like alright the thing is <laughs> with Campanaz he, he doesn't really have that much power like he's not that strong of a rider his numbers aren't crazy no. just all aero but now he's got like, everyone's CCDA. caught up with his aero yeah, yeah, he's exactly. like, failing now because he's using no. those those Dutch speed bar things that are custom made yeah, to him. They look well good. And everyone's, yeah. everyone's kind of caught onto them, like Rowan Dennis and, and that. Yeah, but he looks really uncomfortable. That looks like a really... I feel like he's changed yes. his position quite a lot. He has, he he's just changed tinkers. his position a lot. He looks really yeah. squashed. He looks, yeah. like he, looks, he looks a bit desperate. Like, there's a bit of smacks of desperation a little bit. I think he was yeah, quite good point. reportedly quite upset to be left out of the Olympic team. Um, I'm not surprised. That is yeah, the, was, I think that's his issue. I think he's trying to prove a point. Like he keeps, he's been attacking a lot in all the sort of smaller races that he's yeah. been in so far. But he's, he never maintains it. No, um, like, no, smaller than that. Like previous to that, Salmon. the um, he Salmon. Salmon. Yeah, there was a couple. Yeah, he went there. 
he kept breaking away and then and then just slipping back again. It's like he's trying to prove something. I think it's not. Working. Yeah, I mean, it, I can understand him being annoyed, but then again, they did pick Wavanagh and Ram Gravenapol to exactly, theor- yeah. theoretically two of the best time trialers in the world yeah. after Ghana. The cyclist so... sponsored by Pizza Hut. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's my dream sponsorship. Yeah. He's still living in what he's like. Still living in the world of football, isn't he, Remco? He's like yeah. still yeah. he's still a footballer. Just his comments uh, to uh, was it Sportser today that oh yeah, uh, De Kernick won't ever talk to that's a blank blank and grown. Oh, yeah, so exactly. Like, just get over it, mate. It's not needed. I don't think it's I'll fair because of the amount the amount of um, stress that Dylan Grunewagen's had to go through. Yeah, exactly. Because of the the incident and that and all the the wrong death threats that he got sent. It's just um, I've got the utmost respect for Ram Gravenpool, but that wasn't the right thing to say. Oh, what did he say? Sorry, I kind of I kind of missed that. He said that yes, um, uh, to Koenig and him will never speak to Dylan Grunewagen again. Oh wow! But it's just like blank him in the peloton and everything. But he's just a stroppy teenager. He's just quite childish and immature. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think he's had any media <laughs> training yet. Is that the deal? He's, yeah. he's just yeah. Well, the thing is, he should have had lots of media training, being at Anderlecht Football Club for years, and then being the Belgian youth captain in their football team for years, and now being at ugly one of the biggest World Tour cycling teams. Yeah. You would think, but it doesn't seem that yeah. way. <laughs> no. If you look on his Instagram, a couple of things he said on Twitter is quite um. Yeah. yeah. It was Lefleur that was saying um, just after it happened that they were going to take Gunnarberg into court, and then I yeah, think exactly. he got oh, cold. Like, fucking <laughs> yeah. shot anyway. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So when he manages like that, then it's like a father figure. So it's just like, oh well, if he's doing that, then I can do it. He's your classic old Belgian DS. Yeah, yeah. Like, doesn't fuck about it. He's going to ban power meters next. Has anyone heard the rumor that um, Shaw Almeida is going to UAE? That's literally the next thing on my list. How oh, is it? It's <laughs> bottom, yeah, it's bottom of my page. Yeah, well, he's quick step now, isn't he? Yes. Yeah. 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 Yesterday there was a rumor that um, he might be going to UAE, which seems to be unsubstantiated because it's not come out today. But um, I'm just I would be surprised. Gazeta della Sporto, obviously, you're part of the world in Gazeta della Sport. I'm sure you picked that up. It's, it's the pink one, isn't it? It's the pink one, yeah. yeah. Well, that's how Giro pink came yeah. out. That's it, yeah. That's yeah. why the uh, yeah, it's why the jersey is pink. Yep. I didn't realise that Quickstep weren't paying Cavs wages either. Hang on. I haven't heard this. The... Who are paying his wages? It's some Oakley, Oakley, Oakley and Meatless Farm. Oakley Meatless Farm and Specialised are paying his bonuses if yeah. he uh, podiums or wins. So it's really well, the other other race, isn't he? The, yeah, it's Meatless Farm and Oakley that are paying. To be honest, if anyone could ride for free for a year, probably would be Cav. <laughs> I dare say there's money in the bank, isn't there? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, the publicity that he'll bring to Quickstep that again they don't really need it, but yeah, he'll bring any team loads of publicity. It's like the Canyon. second he for a race, he's on like headlines in like Cycling Weekly and all that. Yeah. So he's bringing Canyon him. to sign him when he leaves Quick Step Group. <laughs> <laughs> bringing it back, uh, uh, yeah, Almeida to UAE next year. That's a I can fully believe it. I can't lie because the GC prospects never do well in the Koenig. It's just not really their style. So I think if he wants to go for a GC like Giro. Then I can I can honestly see him moving away. Whether UAE is the right team, I don't know. I'm not um, sure UAE is the right team. I think they're too moulded around Pogacar. After the Hershey signing, I can see it happening. I yeah, think. the thing is, they are moulded around Pogacar, but Pogacar wins one of the Grand Tours, maybe two if he's lucky. Yeah, and if he crashes, you never know. But is Almeida a GC guy? I mean, especially after the Hershey thing, and I mean, there's still questions about that. I mean. Where is he? <laughs> yeah. Like, where and, is Mark Hershey? And he's racing Crystal Palace. Talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> he's doing Crystal Palace crits until he's ready. <laughs> Do you guys think that um, Almeida's a... Well, he's, he's climbing, isn't he? He's a puncher. Yeah, yeah. Punch, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Punchy oh, climber, does a roll. Punchy guy, yeah. Oh, he's a good GC rider through his time trialing. And he can... 
he can hold on on the climbs because he was fairly close to Ganner in the opening time trial of the Giro. And um, he, he can climb fairly well. It's just um, he didn't quite have the legs going into the bigger climbs like Stelvio. He doesn't have the explosivity that like the other climbers do that are really light and... To be fair, he's young yet. He's got time, if anything. If he had a strong, if he was behind a strong team, I think they would. He definitely would have been challenging at the Giro right up to the end. He did really well, basically on his own. Like to be yeah. fair, I think that's a little harsh on like James Knox and um, Fausto Masnado. I think they were pretty, they were pretty key for him. They all, they always seem to be there, especially on the uh, on the Stelvio. Fausto Masnado wants to carry on going, and I think Knox stayed with him the whole way. So I think that's maybe a little okay, bit unfair. Fair. Yeah, but Quickstep don't seem to be used to mounting a GC challenge like Alaphilippe at no. the court as well. Like that was just him solo, pretty much. Yeah, it's going to be yeah, interesting I... when Remco kind of like I was talking to Fernand about it today. Like, do you think uh, do you think Remco will stay at Quickstep <clears throat> his whole career, or do you think he'll kind of go to another team like like Ineos potentially? But now they've got Pickcock and that they're kind of similar age, so they'll be like the Van Aert and Vanderpool, and they'll probably never be on the same team, but. Do you think you can see him staying at Quickstep his whole career, or do you think he'll move move to like another team if Quickstep can't do a GC? I think his grows up. His Belgian pride is too strong to leave Quickstep. I'd yeah. say. Yeah, I think Lefebvre would, wouldn't want to see him go anywhere else either. Join Intermarché. <laughs> <laughs> now he's going to join Tekkers. He's going to join Tekkers. No, I think I don't think I just don't think that to kind of can set up for a GC thing. I just don't think that's there what they're good at. So I can fairly I can fairly easily see um Almeida making a move. I think Alaphilippe, if he targets it, he could do like a like a week a week long stage race or like a five day type thing. He was so close to winning the tour though. I think if he'd have had the support and like actually properly tried. I'm not saying he didn't, but Alaphilippe's issue for the twenty nineteen tour was he um he didn't believe that he could win the yellow because two days after he got the yellow jersey, he was still leading out Elia Viviani. So if he had have actually kept the energy back there, he would have had more energy in the mountains. Yeah, but that's the point. Like that wasn't his focus. So maybe if he'd have made that his focus earlier, then it would have changed and it would have had a better outcome. Yeah, he rode it very aggressively, which was it was what so you good want to, to see. Yeah, he always does. But then he just kind of went pop and he got stuffed by the ice. Only just think, though, yeah. It wasn't yeah. really his his undoing. Like, no, but uh, then on the, the um, second to last day, he um, he did go backwards quite dramatically. Yeah. Which is, um, it's, this tour was just one day too long for him. Yeah. But I think that's the thing where you need to be able to do it on the three weeks and like, you might kind of blow up with, what was it? Was it Yates? That was uh, Yates in the Giro in, in two thousand and eighteen. Yeah, when Froomey went for the eighty um, k break. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that day, yeah, blew up and like was like forty fifty minutes back in the end. Yeah, because most like serious like thoroughbred Grand Tour contenders peak towards the end, so they yeah. know they're going to hold it. Yeah, I Can we have a quick yes or no on um, TTs in the front tours? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. TTs at the end of Grand Tours or just in Grand Tours? At the end, last stage. Oh, oh. No. Oh. No, 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 no. In the Giro, it works. Tour doesn't. Yeah, not at the end. See, yeah, because Tour, tour is, always, is all about the... the um, yeah, for watching on TV, TTs are like pretty boring unless again they're that um Roglic Pogacar thing but if you're actually there and watching it it's quite exciting because you kind of see all the riders individually get to like spend a lot of time watching riding whereas if you're if it's a big peloton it's just kind of whizzing past and then that's it done but on the TV watching the peloton sprint so much more exciting if you're into like the tech side of it like if you're into TTs you can kind of to yeah. get more out of a TT, so you look at oh, look yeah. at this bit of equipment. Look how he's got this position. You can learn a lot from a TT, but it's not 
the biggest spectacle unless you have something like the um the final stage of the Giro and the Tour or the final TTs of the Tour and Giro. I'd rather have a break from the normal stages, watch a decent TT than have like a a really boring sprint stage. Yeah, I fully agree with that. A derny race. That's what we need. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, I really like the last day processional stage. Yeah. If, if you just kind of yeah. accept that the race stops after day 20, so you can have that massive showdown day on day 20. And I understand how a TT is a showdown because on day 19, you know who's in contention. So day 20, will, if it's a TT, will just be you against him against him, fastest wins. And then day 21, it's the processional roll into the you know the, the uh, you know Milan or Paris or Madrid, you know, and it's a day for sprinters. It's a day for all the peloton to be together. Yeah, but but I think it's so fucking boring when it's decided on the TT. Whack them yeah. up a mountain because because it's just a guy against the clock. It's not okay. It's the strongest rider, but it's the strongest yeah, but... rider, and there's no tactics in there. There's no team play. There's no. It's you, just could, you could say that, that cycling is just a guy against a clock. The yeah, whole, but in, in a TT, it is you against the clock. But you already know what the other guy's done. In well, a race, I mean, up a mountain, the you can see the other guy. You know when you need to gap him and know. drop him. And... True, the true. But... Last year was the best because like, there was the ability to change, like, turn it around. And he did. I think it changes the dynamic of the race beforehand as well, though, because if you have some, you know, some really big mountain stages, that should, if that's not your final stage before, say, Champs-Élysées, then you don't get that big kind of push up the mountain because everyone's going to have to hold something back or be bearing in mind that tomorrow they've got to do a TT still. It's just, it takes the, the sort of big grando- grandiosity, I guess, out of the, the final mountain stages for me. Yeah, I think stage 20, big, like, Big, cool mountain stage is nice. Definitely. Yeah, st- stick a TT in like uh, before the rest day or after the rest day on third week. Hit the mountains. Day 20 is the big GC day. And then day 21 is it's the processional stage into the capital. Brilliant. That's perfect for me. Nothing against Teo Gegenhart. Obviously, he won it on, the, uh, on that last day. It's a shame but, for him because he didn't get like the, he didn't get the full like pink bike and wearing all the pink kit to ride into like yeah. Milan or something. So it's just, that was the shame for him. What are all the best photos you've seen from the Tour de France recently? It's the okay Sky. I'm, I'm not a massive Sky fan, but it's them at the front, you know, sipping champagne, rolling across the road. You know, eight of them in a row with the bikes. Uh, yeah, so the bikes and the cars behind them all decked out in yellow. Like they've won the race and then you just get like a sprint stage. It's fine. That's the best bit. It's not up some fucking mountain 400 miles away or, you know, one guy's come over a TT line and all his teammates have been sat on the bus for the last three hours because they're, you know, 126th on GC. So they've, you know, they were finished three hours ago. That's the moment you want to see all the crowds, a team coming over the line for that like processional first lap onto the Champs Elysees, and then have a crit race. Yeah, and then have a crit race. Yeah, and then someone wins. Someone else gets the prestige of winning on the Champs Elysees, like Viviani or uh, Gripe or whoever, Kittle, etc. For the tour, I think that the Champs Elysees is sacred. Never, never, ever mess with it. I think that's the way. That's the way it's always. Well, not always been, but has been for the, for quite a long time, and that's the way it should stay. For the other Grand Tours, there's not really ever. There's not really a finished city. I mean, I guess you could say Madrid for the Vuelta and Milan for the Tour, sort it's, of. But they have finished in Madrid this year. Okay, there you go. Yeah, um, it's. Been, uh... it's there's there's no real there's no like destination where you can say that's where the world finish, that's where the Giro finishes. So having the time trial, I don't have so much of a problem with for those races, but for the tour, I, I just I just wouldn't mess. A downhill TT off on two. Alec Briggs is winning that. <laughs> <laughs> 
the super talk's not allowed. So. <laughs> what was the TT that Agana won, where Hater was in the? Was that Passage or Provence or? Uh, oh yeah, the one with like Bethes. the burg at the end. Yeah, that massive up the hill to the church thing. That was Passage, wasn't it? Was that Passage? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think we all said they should go up it and then back down it. <laughs> yeah, so if they have an uphill TT, then just do it downhill the next day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was all the TT yeah. from the Giro last year was just a fat descent. <laughs> yes. town. It was a massive descent with crosswind as well. Yeah, and loads of corners. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, oh, that's pretty much how we lost Evanapol last year, wasn't it? So. Miguel Gal Lopez decided to go for a shop window. <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't wish for that. <clears throat> right, we gang. Don't wish for anyone for crashes. No, of course. No, no. Right, gang. We'll wrap it up. Well, thank you all for coming on. We'll all be back next Monday or Wednesday. We'll work it out. I like Wednesdays. Wednesday good for everybody. Wednesday yeah. works with the alliteration. Yeah. Oh, it does. Most importantly, <laughs> got past that English. <laughs> well, you went for the phase of recording them Monday and putting them out on a Wednesday, just so it gave me more time to edit them on to Tuesday. But Tuesdays are my worst day at now work. You've got two and a half hours, bro. If you want me, yeah, uh, yeah this is uh, this is going to go now out Thursday morning, isn't it? So. Thanks for listening to Quick Link Podcast. You can find links to our previous episodes, our social media and streaming platforms, and contact the team by visiting quicklinkpod.co.uk. Our Velo Games code is 572732917. We'll be back tomorrow with your daily microdose of pro cycling news.